This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you greetings and felicitations. In this podcast series, I'm going to be visiting with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, historians, and a wide variety of other people on topics that are outside the area of compliance, but are of great interest to myself and to listeners to the Compliance Podcast Network. In this podcast, I visit with John Assetti. John is an author of seven books about people, places, and things in Texas and the hill country of Texas. I previously, I interviewed him around his most recent book, Profiles in Leadership, which details leadership of business executives from Kerrville and the surrounding hill country. But it turns out John has an equally fascinating story himself, what he calls from nothing to something. And over the next two episodes, we're going to be visiting with John about some of the key highlights in his life, which led him to not only write about leadership and leading organizations, but also actually fulfilling those roles, beginning in education, but in a variety of other fields as well. It's a fascinating look back at a person who has lived leadership in their life. Tations is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hey, I'm thrilled to have back with me John Assetti. John wrote a book that we talked about in our last podcast, but it turned out John had a little bit more to say. So, John, first of all, welcome back. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. And, John, I think you actually had a few more things or comments about people or personalities in the book that you wanted to share with us. Yes. And uh, would you like to hear that now or would you like to wait until I do the first, the second part? No, nope, let's hear about it now. Okay. One person that I was extremely impressed with, and we had many chats, by the way, was Gil Salinas. Does that name sound familiar to you? It does. Okay. I found him to be a very fascinating person, great personality, great listener, and I enjoyed talking with him. And he's the executive director of the Kerr Economic Development Corporation. And he not only told his story in the book, but he also had, I asked him if he would write the, the introduction to the book. And he did that. Did just a great job, by the way. And he had time to do that. That's what's mind-boggling for me. I really appreciated that and provided him with a free book. One of the key things that he mentioned to me, he said that, he said, my most important skill set in economic development is relationship marketing. And the art of persuasion, which is the key leadership trait, is part gift and part experience. You really need to work and hone your communication skills to be able to persuade others. Just like poker, where you really have to work on the different skills to become a good poker player. Leadership and persuasion is no different. And then I'm going to mention just something that he says near the end of his story, personal story. My advice to young students today who are looking to get into a position of leadership is pretty simple. Work your tail off. And I chuckled with that. He said, there's no way around it. I'm trying to find a way to say it better, but there's no better way to say it. And he said, the secret to success is that there is no secret. 
You just have to work and work hard, especially during your 20s, right out of college. I don't care if you graduated with a GED or a degree from Harvard University. You're no different coming into the workforce. You have to work and work hard, get dirty, and get that experience. After that, everything starts to fall into place. Sometimes it comes into shape fairly quickly. Sometimes it doesn't. You just have to let it happen. And so I just wanted to bring that to your attention because I was very impressed with him. And he is a leader not only in our community, in our county, but also in our country. And he travels throughout the world. I have a young daughter, and we have those types of conversations. And once upon a time, someone asked me recently, I was being interviewed, and they said, what would you tell a 25-year-old Tom? And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and for a long time, and he finally said, are you okay? And I finally said, there's nothing I could say to 25-year-old Tom. He knew everything. He was so much older then, I'm younger than that now, and I know I don't. And so what I try to tell people is learn your craft. Learn your craft. If your craft is a writer, learn words. If your craft is a lawyer, learn the law. And there's a fellow named Malcolm Gladwell who says, to be a true expert, you have to put 10,000 hours in, whatever it is. And the example he used was the Beatles. In all of those days, they were playing little dive bars. And for me, that was absolutely true. I didn't really get success until I put in through a series of happenstances, 10,000 hours in, in one subject. So he's absolutely right. Learn your craft, work your tail off. But what I don't, what I've yet to be able to understand is how can I communicate that to a 25-year-old? Because I didn't need to know anything when I was 25. I already knew it. So that's the only thing I've not quite figured out. I find that very interesting because uh, I guess based on my background, I, I encouraged, we had a lot of discussions in our house, four kids, three girls and one boy, a lot of discussions. And my wife was a, chemi- a chemist for a number of years. And we talked about potential. We talked about interest. We talked about dedication to what you wanted to do. And my, my concern was that you can select any field you want and delve into it. You're not limited just to one area of interest, like teaching or, or uh, football. You, you have as many choices as you want, but pick the one that you feel that you would enjoy and that you want to work hard at and that you would get good results and you're dedicated to. Because there's nothing else you can say. They have to do it on their own. You're right. Makes sense? Makes sense to me. And all four of my kids have succeeded. I am very happy with them. In fact, we're meeting this month, July seventeenth uh, to the twenty second. We're we've rented a big house in Maryland, and we meet there for five and six days and spending time together, and telling stories and laughing, chuckling, cooking, eating. My wife just came in, and we've this is our sixteenth year that we've done this. We haven't done it for three years because of the pandemic, but this will be our first year since then. And we just have a darn good old time doing it. I did not have that kind of relationship with my parents. 
You so what? I did not have that kind of relationship with my parents. Oh, is that right? So uh, that's about all I'll say. That's too bad because I think that our parents serve as models for us. And I thought I was a model. My wife was a model. But we were good listeners. When they wanted to talk, they talked and we just kept quiet. I did not grow up in a house like that. Well, one of the things I wanted to explore with you is, I don't want to say you're self-taught, but you've learned a lot. And you've yes. learned through life and you've applied yourself to learning lessons to help expand your insatiable curiosity. Very so true. I was wondering, what were some of the, you spoke about persuasion, and I absolutely agree. And I'm going to take that a step further with leadership. Those are, in many cases, DNA skills, but they're also skills you can learn. Yes. So what did what did you find helped you in your journey? Let me share with you first more intense background that I came from, because I think that's the essence of what I'm going to be saying. For example, I've often thought about writing my book and entitled it From Nothing to Something. But I decided not to do that. Maybe that's in my autobiography. But I came from a family that was very poor, they had no education, and very little support at the beginning when we were younger. But as we got older, my parents encouraged me to go to school. But I had some serious problems when I was young. And I need to mention some of those because I can tell you and share those, some of those with you. And then try to explain to you what happened as a result of those experiences and the impact it had on me and how I became successful as a result of that. Are you ready? I am. All right. Now, I told you about when I was in third grade. You did? Okay. And you remember I told you I wet my pants in front of the room, and that knocked me for a loop. And the kids harassed me throughout elementary school, but the worst part was seventh and eighth grade. Now, those are the years kids can be extremely cruel. You probably remember those years. And they laid into me for two years. Oh, man, that was tough. And I had no foundation, no background. I had no models to follow. I just had to take it. But while I was taking it, I was thinking, there's nothing wrong with these kids. Something funny happened. The mistake was made by the teacher, not allowing me to go to the bathroom. Now, it was so bad in seventh and eighth grade that my work, my schoolwork, dropped, and I failed eighth grade. I had to repeat eighth grade. And boy, that was a, oh, that was a bombshell for me. I was out of it. And all summer long, I thought about that. Went back to school, and for the first few weeks, I didn't hear any harassment. And then a couple more weeks, I still didn't hear any harassment because I had a different group of kids I was going to school with. I said, oh my God, this is wonderful. So I began to study and study hard in eighth grade second time. And uh, I found out that uh, I got some confidence back, my grades went up, and I was pretty well accepted by my classmates, for those who I was with the second year. 
And then in ninth grade, as I said, the basketball coach asked me to be on the ninth grade basketball all-star team. And I thought that was great. Boy, talk about confidence building. Wonderful. A leadership. In 10th grade, I started getting involved in the music field. Because all my friends played an instrument. I was the only one that didn't. They said, John, start playing drums. You can play with us and we'll start a group. We go out and play in nightclubs and make money. I said, okay. Man, I ran for that. So bought a set of drums, took lessons for a year, uh, practiced seven days a week, drove my parents bananas. We had a basement where I set up my drums and I played every night with music. And I enjoyed it. And in 12th grade, I, I, I continued with my drums for 25 years, by the way. And in 12th grade, I mentioned last time, I believe, I took a speech class and gave a talk on percussion instruments on the stage in the auditorium. And my God, it turned out so well. I talked for about 35 minutes, and two of the brightest kids in class came up after me and said, John, that was awesome. That was fantastic. You beat the hell out of me. Congratulations. And man, that really, oh, just boosted me up. And who knew that would happen? I didn't know that. And, and then also in 12th grade, they had a, a special entertainment contest where people can go up on stage before all of the students in the high school and do something entertaining. Guess what? I did a drum, and boy, it went over well, and I loved it. <laughs> Talk about confidence. I think I needed that before I did anything else, by the way. You have to go step one, step two, step three. And then I went off to college to study music in, at Fredonia, State University College at Fredonia, but I found out that was a tough field for me to be in, just too many people in it. So I switched to education, and I'm glad I did. But I still played on weekends. I used to hitchhike home, two hours, hitchhike home to play drums on weekend and hitchhike back on Sunday. And I did that for a number of years. So after the first year of college, the draft board was after me. Mm. <laughs> and my number was coming up, and I said, oh, I don't want to go to Korea. I take my glasses off. I can't see. I got shot first time I was out there. So anyway, I, I decided that, in fact, another friend of mine and I joined for four years. And every year they would give us 30 days leave. And my buddy went home every year. I stayed in Europe. I traveled all over Europe. What, I had a ball. What branch? Air Force. Just traveled all over the place. And the planes were free. Because the air, aircraft, uh, airplane, uh, Air Force planes, they would fly to Norway or Sweden. I'd hitch a ride and hitch a ride back. I learned a lot to take care of myself. And as growing up, that's what it was, growing up and using your mind to do things. But when I finished my four-year college, I re military service, I went back to college because I was determined to get an education and get a college degree. Not only to make my parents proud, but my brothers and sisters, and also me, to be proud that someone in the family broke that ceiling and I was the only one. And so while there, I enjoyed going back. I was, a, I was very mature, asked a lot of questions. I was asked to be the president of the International Relations Club in my senior year, which I was shocked because I didn't feel I had the capability to do that. But they picked me because I was traveled internationally. So that also builds my basis for my career development. Now, after now I started my teaching career, and you have to understand this. This is so fascinating for me, is that 
Remember, I came from a family that was not educated, which meant that I was not educated. And so I had to really work hard to get educated. Now, I noticed that when I was writing on the board for my students, even I couldn't read my writing. It was embarrassing. So I, first year teaching, I stayed after school. And I planned my work for the following day from three to four. Kids were dismissed at three. And then from four to five, I practiced my writing because there was no one in school at that time. And I would write different things on the board, practice my writing, and oh man, what a pain that was. But I improved my writing. I, I focused on that, and I improved it, and it worked out well. I'm really proud of that. And although my wife says sometimes I leave notes, she can't read today. But during that time, it worked out well. Now, one of the things that I learned based on my experiences of peeing my pants and also failing eighth grade, I had, a, I had a lot of empathy for kids. And that was that impacted me a great deal. And I enjoyed working with kids. And I can see how interested they were if you kept them intellectually oriented. And they were. They just wanted to do something rather than be taught something, but do something. And I was a project-oriented teacher. They were always involved in projects. And it gave them a chance to be a leader, gave them a chance to be a recorder, gave them a chance to be a speaker. And they all, we rotate this, they loved it. But we covered their material, that was the important part. So that was great. And I taught eight years, and then and I designed original plays for the kids that we put on for the whole school. And that was not me at all, by the way. Not me at all. But I had that creative spirit that was now being pulled out of me and started creating things. And they were successful. The kids wanted to do more and more of it. So I thought that was great. Even the parents enjoyed it. Even my boss enjoyed it. Now, I was also, in two, two years after my teaching, I was asked to serve as a helping teacher, a leadership position. And we have 20, 22 elementary schools in Niagara Falls. And I had to teach seven different lessons a day for first-year teachers, second-year teachers, and third-grade teachers, and those who change grade level. So seven lessons a day. And the first lesson always went over well. And I had to make sure that the last lesson went over even better. So I spent hours at home preparing for that preparation. Listen. Now, after those eight years, I accepted a teaching position at the State University of New York at Geneseo. And I was encouraged to design and develop programs to improve teaching and learning. And they, I was told I had three years probationary period to do that. If you didn't know, don't do anything. Got to go. Okay. So I got involved in a science program, hands-on science program, and there was a consortium of nine schools that were involved, and I was asked at the campus school to get involved. I said, sure, no problem. And learned a great deal, and even we traveled to Berkeley, California, Berkeley University, for a week of training, and we went to Newton, Massachusetts for a week of training, came back, and then we trained a lot of people in our school areas, in our county. 
And so that was that, that was really good for me, by the way. Then I accepted a, a principal position in Olean, New York, for 20 years, which I enjoy. But I found that Olean was about 10, 15, 20 years behind most of the schools. They were, they were in, a, was in a small city in the country. And so I felt a little uncomfortable, and I almost left. But then I decided, no, I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to design programs to improve not only this school that I'm in responsible for, but for the district. And that's what I did. And I initiated the science program in the school. Before you know it, I was training other schools in my, in our, in my district and then other schools in my county and outside my county and going out giving workshops. Leadership. John, let me, uh, sure. let me stop you there because unfortunately we're near the end of our time for this episode, but we're going to pick up there for our next one. I hope our listeners will uh, join us there. This is Tom Fox. If you're an artist, a writer, a speaker, or have another craft, I'd love to visit with you about your craft on Greetings and Felicitations, the podcast where I get to explore a wide variety of non-compliance topics. It's a lot of fun, great listenership, people are very interested, and frankly, it's a passion project for me. So if you're interested, send me an email, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening.